Glad you're here. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning. So if you want to grab your copy of God's Word, uh, we're in Ephesians, New Testament book of Ephesians, written to the church, the saints in Ephesus, city in Asia Minor, uh, now modern day Turkey. You can go there and visit, see some of the archaeological sites there. Before we dive into God's Word, let's pray. Father, we're here to hear from you. You have breathed out your very word to instruct us, to teach us, to train us, to be who we are called to be in relationship with you. We are your church. Jesus, you are our head. So we want to be connected to you to draw life and sustenance from you to to know you together as a church, to grow in our relationship with you, to grow up into maturity. So would you, by your Holy Spirit, apply your word to our hearts and lives so that we grow today in our walk with you. We ask it for the sake of the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. New year, we're looking at the church. Looking at what, what we do, why we come together, who we are, what this is all about. Last week we looked at the church as defined by and shaped by the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The good news about Jesus establishes the perimeter of the church. All true believers in the biblical gospel, those who have been born again by the Holy Spirit, immersed by the Spirit into the church, make up the body of Christ. It's way bigger than these four walls. Those, that is the people of God throughout history and across geographical boundaries, across cultural, national lines. Those believers publicly identify as followers of Jesus by being immersed in water or baptized. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the chief cornerstone who establishes the direction and the shape of the building. It's essential that our lives, our church, take the shape of the gospel. Some ancient churches actually were, if you take the aerial view and look down, their, their footprint is a cross cruciform shape because they literally physically wanted to be shaped like the gospel. I'm not talking about the shape of our building. Ours isn't that. We've got a cross on the roof. The cross is the focal point because that's the focal point of history. Jesus died for my sins there. I'm talking about our shape as a people, who we are, our identity, how we live, how we walk. doesn't matter necessarily where we meet. Not about the structure. Talking about our church, the family of God shaped by the gospel. We looked briefly last week at Ephesians chapter 2, which points to the blood-bought unity between Jew 
and non-Jew and to the church being built on that one foundation of Jesus to whom all the apostles, all the prophets pointed us. Today I want to take a, a step back, take a broader look at the, the letter of Ephesians because it has a lot to say about the church. And if you've been here for a while, it's like, wait, you're going through the entire book of Ephesians? Well, not quite. And not nearly as in detail as we normally go through a passage. I want to step back and take a broad sweep of the letter, primarily focusing on what this letter tells us about the church. Because as I reread Ephesians, it jumped out at me how much Paul has to say in this letter about the church. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 gives us this doxology. A doxology is a word of praise or glorifying God. Ephesians 3.21 says, To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians tells us that whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here in Ephesians, we see that the church, the people of God gathered to worship Jesus together, to seek Him together. The church is a primary means of us bringing glory to God. We're going to start in Ephesians 1, the letter to the church of Ephesus addresses the saints in that city, the believers, those who have been made holy through faith in Jesus. It begins by blessing God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. His choosing us, His predestining us, His adopting us is all, according to Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of His glorious grace. His redeeming us, His forgiving us is according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. His purpose, His ultimate plan for the fullness of time was to unite all things in Him. In verse 12, Paul writes of himself and his fellow Jewish believers. He says, we... We have obtained an inheritance. We were predestined so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And then in verse 13, he turns to his Gentile non-Jewish readers and the believers in Ephesus and says, You also... In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Jew and Gentile both heard the word of truth, the good news of salvation through Jesus. Both believed in Him. Both, having believed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Both made co-heirs of the inheritance. Both redounding to the praise of His glory. In verse 15, he overflows with thanksgiving to God and he prays, 
that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? We need, brothers and sisters, we need God's gift of spiritual strength, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need the eyes of our hearts enlightened to know, to comprehend, to understand what we have been given in Christ. Our hope, our inheritance, the supernatural resurrection power that is at work in us who believe in Jesus. So Paul prays for us that we would know that our hearts would be opened to perceive what we've been given in Christ. His thoughts of the resurrection naturally turn his heart to Jesus whom God raised from the dead in verse 20 and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under Jesus' feet. The Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Him, Jesus, as head over all things, listen, to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Pause. Listen to this verse. Worship. God, Put all things, all things under Jesus' feet. Now what is excluded from all things? All things is all things. All things are under the feet of Jesus. He... uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples in my authority, not yours. Here Paul mixes metaphors. Jesus is head. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is ruler. Jesus is authority over all. He is at the top. He is in charge. He is in control. And he is head of the church, which is his body. As a body is not alive without its head, the church cannot live disconnected from Jesus. In a stunning phrase here, the church is called the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Jesus, being fully God, is omnipresent, everywhere present. And one way He makes His Presence known here on earth is through his body, the church. His life flows from the head through all the members of his body and his presence extends into this world primarily through his 
blood-bought people, the church. Glory. Ephesians 2 looks at us in our dead, our helpless state, in our treacherous rebellion and sinful disobedience, in our passionate lusts, deserving God's hot and holy wrath, and says, but, in verse 4, but, this is what you deserve, but, God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God's amazing grace toward us is for our good and for His own glory. Driven by His own mercy, driven by His own great love, For us, He made us alive to show off, to put on display His own great love and grace. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are His workmanship. Meant to showcase His glory, His great grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 highlight the deep divide between Jew and Gentile. Those who were separated, alienated, strangers, without God and without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God. Listen, In one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The chasm bridged by the blood of Christ. The dividing wall broken down in the broken body of Jesus. The law of commandments and ordinances abolished. The hostility killed by the cross. Jesus is our peace. He made us one, one new man, both reconciled to God in one body, the church. Verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
Believing Gentile, believing Jew alike have access to the Father in the one Holy Spirit. Fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, together built on the one foundation, Christ, to whom the whole Bible points. If you're having trouble understanding the Bible, it's pointing you to Jesus. Keep that in mind as you read difficult passages and say, what does this tell me about my need for Jesus? How messed up it is and I am without Jesus? What He came to do? It's all about Jesus. Jesus in whom we are cemented together, growing together, being built together into a dwelling place for God. The church, not a building, but the people, we believers, whatever our background, built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Ephesians 3. Paul talks about the mystery that was hidden in ages past, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Everybody's excited about mystery. Oh, there's mysterious, there's hidden books of the Bible. We've lost this new truth. I found the, the secret to blah, whatever. Ignore that garbage. It's a waste of your time. Honestly. We can talk about that, ask questions. Questions are good. It's how we learn. But here's here's the mystery you need to know about. This is the mystery. God talks about the mystery. A mystery is something that was not revealed prior. It is now. So it's not a mystery anymore. It's here is the mystery I just told you. It was hidden. Now it's revealed. That's biblically what a mystery, what that word means. Paul talks about the mystery that was hidden in ages past, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is... Here it is. Ready? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. What's the mystery? The mystery... Israel was God's chosen people, distinct, separate from all other nations. They had their own eating laws, their own holidays, all the things to make them separate, distinct, funny-looking among the nations. They had weird stuff like circumcision. We're not going to talk about that this morning. There's all kinds of stuff that they did that was like, this is to make you very different from everybody else on the planet. You are my Bible, Old Testament, or uh, the King James Version used, my peculiar people. A little bit weird. But I'm doing that to set you apart from everybody else. That's, that's the whole Old Testament is. This is what sets the God's chosen people apart from everybody else. The mystery, but now in Christ Jesus through the gospel, Jew and Gentile together made co-heirs of the promises, members, members of the same body. Now, 
Jews didn't eat with Gentiles because that would contaminate them. It's like, you might have milk and meat in the same meal. We can't do that. We're eating at a different table. Not only are we together in the same room, eating a meal together under the same roof, it says we are organically connected with one another. The DNA is coursing through our common veins from Jesus, our head. We're inextricably connected. The only way we disconnect is to amputate, and that is not a good scene. Don't amputate yourself from the body of Christ. So many people make shipwreck of their lives by disconnecting, by sawing themselves off from the body, blood spurting every... No, don't stay plugged into the body. Ephesians 3 verse 8 to me Paul speaking though I am the very least of all the saints this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things. Oh, what's the mystery? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You want the secret? You want to be in on the mystery? Be part of the church. You're part of the mystery. Did you hear what this says? Paul, unworthy, but given God's grace to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ to outsiders, brought to light to everyone God's purpose of uniting Jew and non-Jew into one body, the church, so that through the church... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities on Capitol Hill. It's not what it says, is it? I'm glad you're paying attention to your Bibles. I don't want to lead you astray. Check, check out anything I say with God's word, his authority, not my authority. So that through the church, through the body of Christ, believers united Jew and Gentile into one body. The manifold, many faceted wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. If you jump ahead to chapter six, he talks about spiritual warfare that we as the body of Christ engage in together. Not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul is saying that God's purpose for the church, this mystery now put on display, is to display the multifaceted wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are to make known to angels, to demons, 
awesome God's plan is. This was according to verse 11, the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access into the heavenly realms to the very throne of God himself. You think of a... a, a, a a king in his court with his courtiers and there's guards and there's a hall and there's big old doors and you don't get in without an invitation. And if you get in, your knees are knocking and you better get on your face before that supreme Lord or, well, he has the power of life and death. We have, what does it say? Boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Jesus. He got an all access backstage pass 24 7, 365 to the King of Kings because of Jesus. In verse 14, he again prays for us, for the church. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul prays for Holy Spirit enabled power to take in, to process, to comprehend the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You see that? I want you to know something that is absolutely beyond comprehension. And I, you need Holy Spirit enablement for, to wrap your tiny little human brain and heart Around this truth. And notice. He prays for this knowing. This receiving of truth to happen. Not in your head. but Or in your heart. But in the church. Together with all the saints. This is not an individual knowing. I've been enlightened. I now understand this. I, I receive this truth. This is a corporate knowing. This is us together receiving truth, perceiving Jesus. You see, we can't fully appreciate the love of Christ on our own. We need the body. God gets glory in the church when the church together begins to comprehend the love of Christ 
for us that surpasses knowledge. When Christ dwells in our hearts and the church is filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. This is a group receiving of truth, knowledge, understanding. Chapter 4, having laid gospel foundation in chapters 1 to 3, Paul builds on that gospel foundation by exhorting now the church based on, I mean, he's just backing up the dump truck and unloading truth on us in the first three chapters, laying that bedrock foundation. You got to get the gospel. I can't tell you to do something or live some way if that's not rooted in the gospel. You're just building on sand. You're making stuff up. You're using your own efforts. No, you have to understand the gospel foundation. Having laid that gospel foundation in chapters 1 to 3, that I'm a sinner, I have no hope outside of Jesus. Jesus is the one who, by His Holy Spirit, gives me new life, connects me to a body, the church. Chapter 4. Now building on that foundation, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of Peace. This is holy, this holy spirit created unity. Truth, that's the foundation, calls for a response from me. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. This exhortation founded on the theological truth of the unity of the body of Christ. He says, now be the body. Act like it. Live like it. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's one body connected to its one head, the Lord Jesus Christ, united by the one Holy Spirit in order to glorify the one God and Father. This one body, the church, it's made up of unique, diverse body parts. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things, the glory of Jesus. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful and deceitful schemes. This, this one body, the church, made up of each one of us individually members, unique, diverse body parts, each equipped with gifts given to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Some are leaders, equipped, given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Notice, the work of the ministry is done by who? The one or two guys up front. Uh-uh. I'm not the minister. Please don't call me that. I am a minister alongside you who are also a minister. Together we minister. The work of the ministry is done by who? The saints. Are you a believer in Jesus? You're a saint. That's you. You are called to do the work of the ministry. Not those with gifted, gifted with leadership alone. Leaders are equipped by God to equip the saints, to build up the body, to promote unity, to know Jesus better, to grow us up into maturity, to protect us from false doctrine, false teachers. It's not only those gifted with leadership that are gifted. Every believer in Jesus is gifted and called yes. to be a minister. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each body part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The whole body, every part, every joint, every ligament, Gifted to speak truth, to build up one another in love, each part working properly, growing up in every way into Christ-likeness. Verse 25, we're to speak truth to one another for we are members of one another. That means... This hand just took a hammer, and this hand's holding the nail, and this hand missed, and this thumb is like, don't lie to the body. It's like, and the whole body is now this big pulsating thumb, right? Boom, 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 boom. The whole body is like, let's. Let's come around and protect the hurting member. Don't lie. Be vulnerable. Be transparent. Allow the body to be the body. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is an amazing verse. I love this verse. Did you know that your your talk can be corrosive, destructive, damaging? It, 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words cut straight to the core. <laughs> words can tear someone up and throw them away. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you, did you know as recipients of God's amazing grace that you have the spirit empowered ability to extend that grace which you have received from God to others around you through your words? What comes out of your mouth? It should be good for building up that it may give grace. You are a conduit of God's grace to others. Allow His Spirit through your lips to pour grace out on the people around you. Chapter 5, verse 18, we are to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in verses 22 to 23, or 22 to 33 of chapter 5, our marriages are to point to Christ who is the head of the church, His body, the church submitting to Christ, Christ who loved the church and gave Himself up for her so that He might present the the church to Himself in splendor as He nourishes, as He cherishes the church as members of His own body. Brothers and sisters, saints, we have a high and holy calling. To be the body, the body of Christ, our head, to give grace, to proclaim the excellencies of Him, to build one another up in love, to know together, to display together the immeasurable riches of His grace, to bring glory to God in His church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing letter that you inspired the Apostle Paul to pen to this church in Ephesus. And thank you that it is not just for Ephesus, it's for us. We need to hear this message today. Help us to respond appropriately to the truths that we have heard. Lord, help us to build our foundation on Jesus on the gospel, the one God in the flesh who came to lay down his life for sinners, to make us new, to make us holy, to join us to one another, to make a new community. Lord, help us as the church, the body of Christ to flesh out Jesus' presence here on earth. We we read the Gospels and and how Jesus interacted with, with religious leaders, with His disciples, with sinners, with people... 
who have done grievous, offensive things with children. Help us to flesh out who Jesus you are to the people around us. Help us each individually as members of one another to seek to use our tongues, our lips to bring grace, to bring healing, to come alongside, to encourage, to exhort. Lord, I pray that our fellowship together as blood-bought believers would be sweet. As we look around the room and say, we are so different. We have come from such different places. And we are made one in Christ. Thank you for that gift, the gift of the church. Help us to treasure, treasure this fellowship that you have created by your Spirit. Immersing us into this thing called the body. Bless us as we seek to be your body here on earth. Empower us by your Holy Spirit because there is no way we could do it on our own. We desperately need your filling, your empowering, your transforming resurrection power to, to wrap our heads around who we've been called to be and to actually step out and walk it out day to day. Fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory. Because Lord, more than anything else, we were created to bring glory and honor and praise to your great name. You are worthy. So would you make that true in this local body of believers today, this year. We ask it in the mighty, the magnificent name, Jesus. Amen. I invite some of our men to come and prepare to serve communion. This is our opportunity as brothers and sisters in Christ, as blood-bought believers to commune. That means a very intimate type of fellowship. Commune with the community, the people of God. We have... We are connected organically and the, the one body and the one blood poured out to make us new, that is being connected each individual part to the head is flowing through our veins corporately as a body of believers. So as as we receive the bread, reminder of Jesus' body broken and torn on the cross for you, for me. As we receive the cup His blood poured out to wash sinners clean, to make rebels into new creations in Christ. Remember, this is the lifeblood that flows through all our veins corporately together. We are connected and commune with our Lord. Uh, He's made peace and reconciled us both to God in the body. So we as connected with the head, are connected to one another. Treasure that truth and make use of it this week as you seek to be the body. That doesn't end when we walk out the doors. Our identity doesn't change 
You're still a member, a body part of the body of Christ. You're still, if we're not in the same room, that doesn't mean we're not still organically, intrinsically, identity connected with one another. Walk that out this week. And as we serve bread and juice, this is for believers, blood-bought believers in the good news of Jesus Christ, built on the foundation of Jesus. Take that, reflect on who He is. How much you've been given. The immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Once we've all been served, we'll, we'll take that together as a picture of the body. Father, thank you for sending your only son to pay my price to die the death that I deserve to experience separation from you Father that should be mine for eternity but Jesus you took it in my place you allowed your human body to be beaten and torn and crushed your blood to be poured out to death so that I could enjoy life connected to you and to this blood-bought community that you have created. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for immersing us into this one body through the new birth that we are now part of this new creation community of believers. What a treasure we have as blood-bought brothers and sisters, one in Christ. We receive a good gift of grace from your hand and we say thank you. His body broken for you. Take and eat. His blood shed on the cross for your sins and mine. Drink. 